All right, well, good morning, everyone. Good late morning. I uh, have been uh, wearing too many hats this morning. It's not because I got up late, I'll tell you that. So um, I need to quiet my mind, so uh, let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for everything that is about this day. We thank you for uh, the remembrance um, for us individually, how we have come to know you and come to appreciate our place in your family. We thank you that we are part of this larger family of covenant and for uh, the impact that uh, it has had on the community and even the world in these past years. We thank you that we're part of an even larger family of those who uh, claim your name and profess it around the world and then to the largest family of all, those that uh, will be gathered together as saints one day. Um, and we thank you for all of those things and pray that you bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in John chapter 6. This is a familiar passage, I would presume, uh, for most of us. Uh, my Bible says Jesus feeds the 5,000. We know the elements of this story, right? So what are they? Well, there's 5,000 people. <laughs> At least. Uh, we're going to read, and it'll, we'll see that the true number is probably greater than that. Uh, what else do we know? Who else was there? So the disciples were there. Jesus was there. Who else was there? Some random little boy who packed a lunch, or his mom packed a lunch for him, perhaps. Who else was there? Some skeptics, hangers-on, potential uh, uh, community organizers, perhaps. Let's read it. Verse 1, chapter 6. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So the Sea of Galilee has had a number of names. Um, apparently, it's just like Christians who read the Bible that call it the Sea of Galilee anymore. It wasn't called that way before, and it wasn't really called that way um, nowadays. But uh, the Sea of Galilee, renamed the Sea of Tiberias after one of the politicians there. Verse 2, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, remember those are chronologically organized accounts of Jesus' ministry, right? And we know that in the early phases of his ministry, he was hanging out in and around the area of the Sea of Galilee. Um, we hear about Towns like Capernaum and Bethsaida and those sorts. And these are primarily the, the towns that uh, he called his uh, disciples from. Right? So that's, that's where we are. And, um, and uh, he was doing miracles. We, we know that. And it says the crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. 
the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Now, when we talk about Passover, um, we, we have a general knowledge of it, but those images around Passover um, may or may not be fresh, depending on how recently it's been since we studied Exodus. Um, but if we start singing Jingle Bells, we instantly think of what? Christmas. Even though Jingle Bells has nothing to do with Christmas as a religious event, but instantly it calls to mind Christmas. Well, for the Jews of that day, when you thought of Passover, all these images came to mind, right? You instantly were transported to Egypt and you were thinking about plagues and you were thinking about the wilderness and you were thinking about God's provision for them and the, their shoes didn't wear out and you know manna came from heaven and there were miracles and water was coming out of rocks and there was red seas dividing and you know all these things just came to mind when you said Passover. So when John tells us now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, he's He's setting us in, in some chronology there, right? We know roughly what time of year it was because it, it is kind of tied to the calendar. But we also remember John is not really organizing his book based on chronology. He's making a point, right? He is, is bringing us to this point um, for a purpose. Now, what is that purpose? You got it? John 20? Everybody got their cheat sheet? John 20, 31. But these things are written. Carry on. My ESV is so close to that, but it wasn't close enough to mess you up. <laughs> so, John has written all this for a reason. The way that he has pulled the story together is for a reason. So here we have Passover and all the things that come to mind with Passover. So we're going we're gonna to refer back to that in a bit. Verse 5, Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread that these people may eat? Now, the different accounts um, take different you know, points of emphasis. These are complementary accounts, not contradictory accounts. Um, in Matthew, we have the disciples taking the initiative. Um, Matthew says, uh, now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Luke has a similar account. And of course, we knew that, that uh, they, they worked off each other for their various gospels. But here in, in John, again, we have a, a slightly different emphasis. It says, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, 
Where are we to buy bread that these people may eat? Have you ever cooked for a large crowd? All right, who's cooked for 15 people before? Who's cooked for 30 people before? Who's cooked for 50 people before? Who's cooked for 100 people before? Anyone cooked for 500 people? <laughs> By yourself? Mike and I. Amazing. Uh, fundraiser. It was probably, we paid probably 1,200 people. Amazing. How much food did that take? Uh, a lot of food. <laughs> a lot of hard work. Truckloads, I'm sure, right? Most I've ever cooked for is 30. And that was a lot. As we'll see, this is going to be, when he says a large crowd, um, and Jesus says to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? You don't just, oh, I know where. (laughs) Now people say, well, why did he ask Philip? Well, people speculate, well, Philip was from Bethsaida, which was in that neighborhood. So if anybody knew of you know, an instant market that would instantly have all this food, Philip would be the one, right? So, you know, I'm sure the other disciples were saying, I'm glad he didn't ask me. I don't know. Um, Philip answered, I mean, he did the math, right? Now, we can't really fault Philip because, I mean, Jesus asked a leading question here, right? He, he was kind of, um, you know, it was a test. Uh, it, it was a trick. Um, we might call it a bit of a prank. It might have been, he probably could have easily said it with a smile on his face. Hey, where are we going to feed these people, Philip? What's up with this? Right? And, and you can't, you know, we, we, we think of the apostles and, you know, these fancy, you know, Renaissance pictures or whatever. But these were a bunch of, what, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, right? So you got to admit there were probably, you know, jokes going around of various sorts and kinds. And, and you know, I, I think Jesus probably had a sense of humor. Say, so, hey, Philip, where are we going to feed these people? And Philip says, well, wait, look, if I had 200 days wages, would not be enough bread for each of them to even get a little. So in other words, no can do, Jesus. Even if they had that much money, you don't just go get that because you don't just buy prepared food, right? This is stuff happens from scratch back in the day. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, But there's a boy here who has five barley loaves, two fish, but what are they for so many? Again, probably every pastor who has taught this has had a different angle on Andrew. From the ultimate man of faith who says, Jesus, you know, we're bringing everything I have to you. Maybe that's true. To maybe if you have the jokester answering in kind to perhaps a joking Jesus who says, Hey, we got a guy here. He's got five loaves and two fish. You know, I don't know how this all went down. We don't really know. But I do think we're probably guilty of sanitizing things 
perhaps a little bit too much, but in any event, he says, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, watch this. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> he said, have the people sit down. Now we know, again, from information of the other Gospels that there was a little bit of an organization that did. He said, okay, y'all get in groups of 50 or 100 and sit down and it says, now there was much grass in the place. So we know the dry season hadn't started yet. This would have been in the spring associated with Passover. So it was, you know, it was grassy. It was maybe a little softer than it would have been later in the year in the dry season. It says, so the men sat down about 5,000 in number. And again, other gospels tell us that, that this 5,000 number didn't really include women and children. So add whatever multiplier you want. People have said, was it 10,000? Was it 15,000? Was it 20,000? Perhaps as much as 20,000. So if, if they're in groups of 50 to 100, that's still a lot of groups, right? Some people have made the point that John is the only one that tells us that these were barley loaves. Wheat cost five or ten times as much as barley. Barley was the, the food of the poor. Um, people have said this is reminiscent of uh, a miracle um, where Elisha took barley loaves and, um, and presented it to a, a very large group of soldiers, and they had plenty, and they had leftovers. And so as we think about this point that John is wanting to make, as he, he's popping these references in there, taking them back to the past, there's Passover, there's Elisha, there's Moses. All these things, these images are coming at the people that would be reading this. Um, barley. Yeah, I remember a story about barley loaves. I remember a story about barley loaves where they were presented and they were fed and there were a lot of... There was a lot left over. Um, that was Elisha. Well, he was kind of a big deal. Why is that information showing up in the story? Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. I guess if you were standing, you didn't get any. No, that's not true. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. Um, the fish, people have said these were, these were tiny fish, sardine-ish, anchovy-ish, salted, pickled, something. Remember, we don't know. There's a little bit of discrepancy that I'm sure somebody has reconciled, but I haven't, where, you know, here the disciples said, hey, the day's coming to a close. These people have anything to eat, right? Other people have said, well, gosh, if they were able to do this whole food distribution, it would have still taken a couple of hours so that it, would have, it can't have been much, early, much later than 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon because they, otherwise they wouldn't have finished before dark. In any event, these fish have been hanging out all day, right? <laughs> and that's a long time for fish unless they've been prepared. So they think it pickled or, or salted or some sort of preservation that happened to these things. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. 
Verse 12, we know how this goes, right? And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So, why did he have them do this? To his glory, to what did you say, Karen? To see how much was left. Because he could. It's more than enough. Because there are two audiences here, right? You've got the audience of all the people that have been following around, these 5,000. But you could argue that your main audience is these 12 disciples. To prove to them this wasn't, you know, people have speculated oh, well, nobody wanted to eat in front of each other. Everybody really had their own lunch to begin with, but they didn't really have permission to eat it. But now that we know everybody's eating, okay, now we're going to bring out all our own food, and everybody had plenty. No, because there was so much left over, right? It's amazing the links that some people will go to to dodge a miracle. He said, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Again, I don't know if this means um, they didn't gather up the leftover fish, apparently. That might have been too messy. Or maybe there was just no leftover fish. I don't know. Everybody ate their fish. That makes sense to me. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. We have Moses the prophet. We have Elisha the prophet. That is the tone that's, that's cooking here. Um, it's probably just as well I started late because... In, in many ways, today is nothing but a big introduction to the rest of the chapter. Just to give you a preview, uh, verse 16, we'll come back to verse 15 in a moment, but verse 16 starts the Jesus walking on the water. Okay, so we have that. And then beginning in verse 22 through the end of the chapter and... I looked it up. As best I can tell, this is the third longest chapter in the New Testament. And Luke, who has the longest one, um, it's that first chapter, which is all the genealogy. So that doesn't really count, I don't think. Matthew has a really long one. But this is a really long section. And it's what some people feel is the longest continuous discourse that Jesus had, for sure, in John. Now, I think... Probably the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew is probably longer. Um, but in John, at least, we're, we're going to be heading into the largest and in some ways what might be the most, a little bit confusing section. But my Bible has the heading beginning in verse 22. I am the bread of life. So Jesus is going to transition them from thinking about the Passover, where there was what? There was unleavened bread. There was the Exodus. There was manna that came from heaven. There was God providing for his people. 
we have this little barley connection with Elisha and the food that was ever plentiful and Elisha was a prophet, Moses was a prophet. And then we have this transition where Jesus goes into, I am the bread of life. And just like he talked to the woman at the well, remember this other snapshot that John gives us where we had uh, talking about water. And back in Nicodemus, we talk about a, a spirit water birth, right? And now we're talking about the bread and he transitions us to thinking about, uh, he's talking about eating flesh here, which is really weird, right? This kind of threw him off a little bit. Today, we're going to have celebration of the Lord's Supper and, and service. Um, some faiths use the term the Eucharist to mean that event. Uh, some people um, use the word Eucharist to mean something a little different, but, but that Greek word is the word to give thanks. If you turn back, well, in my page, in my Bible, you have to turn back. In verse 11, when it says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, it's this verb, Eucharisteo, the, the root there is Eucharist. John's the only one to use that. In the other accounts, it says he blessed it, a different word. Not that you can make too, too much about this, but I do think it's perhaps providential that this word, Eucharist, for us it calls to mind something, right? It calls to mind the Lord's Supper, and, and we picture that upper room and this conversation that Jesus was having with the disciples. You think they might have reflected back on this event a year or so later when yet another Passover remember it was the time of the Passover then right so they're having Passover one year later and they're thinking you know where we were last year remember last year when we were on the hillside there and those 5,000 people and and he gave thanks there was this Eucharist moment and then he started talking about, I'm the bread of life. And he started talking about, you know, what's, you know, I'll go give the whole thing. But you think that kind of connected with them? And they started to put it all together? Even a 20-year-old starts to get it after a while. Let's go back to the crowd. Verse 14. When the people saw the sign that he had done, so they recognized this was something, right? They saw this was a sign. Which is interesting because we'll see probably next week down in verse 30, after he's gone to a different neighborhood, but probably you know some of the same people were there. So they said to him, okay, then what sign are you going to do that we can believe you? <laughs> really? That wasn't, that wasn't enough? 
Anyway, they saw the sign he had done. They said, this is indeed the prophet who has come to save the world. Now, this is interesting in verse 15. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. What does that mean? Well, you didn't need social media to have a mob. Every situation throughout time, there's always the people behind the scenes, right? There's always the get it done folks. There's always the people who know the right people to ask, the right people to get thinking about something, the right foundation to lay. And so, remember, they've been under Roman oppression for more than a minute. There had been false prophets, so to speak, happening along. There had been the Maccabean Revolt when... You know, there was at least a a righteous uprising of sorts. So you know there were people that were ready, just looking for the right situation. Who were they going to throw their power behind to really get something going? You know these types of people, right? And I don't say this all bad. These are honestly some of the people that get things done. Some of you are these people. Uh, and, and again, that's a compliment. Right? You know how these things work. Right? You know how to get something through a committee. Right? Pro tip that Dad's always said, the person with a handout wins. Right? So if you go to a meeting, print something off, doesn't matter what it says, but if you give it out, people think your idea is the best one. Right? You wonder why we all do handouts. No, that's, that's, that's so true. It really is. You bring, a, you bring a handout to a meeting, you win. But there are always people behind the scenes that are trying to, trying to move things in the way they sh- should go, at least the way they think they should go, right? That's what they're talking about. Jesus knew there were people like that, and this was a crescendo moment And if you've got a a feel for the room, this is when you rush up. You say, Jesus is our new prophet. Jesus is the one. He's the new Messiah. Right? And you have this groundswell, and and then you're off to the races. Number one, that's not the kind of Messiah that he came to be. And number two, it wasn't time. So, It's kind of weird, perceiving they were going to take him by force and make him king, right? A lot of people would be okay with that. But Jesus, it says, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So John's telling us he never came to be a political king. That wasn't what he was about. It wasn't about what, you know, what they thought it was. He was going to be a different kind of king, a different type of prophet, a different type of Messiah than what they had thought about. 
And as the rest of this chapter builds through, John's going to continue to make that point. This is who Jesus came to be. This is why he came to be. And this is how he explained himself. So, like a lot of good situations, teachable moments, you start off and you get their attention. Well, when you feed 5,000 with nothing but five loaves and two fish and the power that comes from on high, you got their attention. And that's just, you know, the, the, this account, the feeding of the 5,000, wasn't the main thing. We think it was kind of the main thing. It was a very big thing, but this was just to get them thinking, right? And he, or at least that's the way John's using it to highlight what has yet to come. All right, we're going to stop there. Any questions, comments? I wonder what the boys' parents thought when they got home. You'll just never guess what happened. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, when that mom packed the lunch that day, you know, if she had only known. Do any of the Gospels ever say the little boy got to eat? Or did... What's that? I think it says everybody got their fill, so I'm assuming... If you're standing up. If you're standing up. Yeah. If you're standing up. All right, let's close. Father, we do thank you for uh, just this, this snapshot of, of um, kind of... Uh, how you work, how you uh, work in, in, in our world, the human nature being what it is. Um, and we pray that we keep our eyes open for the miracles that you're still doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.